In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you. No scripts, just real dialogue. My friends call me Reimer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Reimer. All right, live from the Hired Scored booth here at HR Tech 2023, I'm with Ernest Singh. He's the VP of Strategy, Research, Content, and Incubation at Hired Scored. Has a rich background in HR strategy and workforce analytics, a BS in psychobiology, an MA in Applied Development Psychology, and a PhD in Applied Psychology. A seasoned professional with org design, workforce metrics, survey development, and talent management expertise. Ernest, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited about this conversation. You may be, in the end, the smartest guy I've ever had on this podcast, so I'm I'm super happy to have you here today. I doubt it. I doubt it. So, so this rich background you have in, in really HR strategy and workforce analytics, when you think about, and so the audience of, of this show is primarily healthcare talent acquisition yeah. leaders, right? When you think about healthcare TA today, from an analytics perspective, from a strategy perspective, what are some of the things you think we're getting right? And, and what are some of the things you think that maybe we're getting wrong today in healthcare? Yeah, I think the things that you're really getting right is connecting the value of talent to the actual outcomes in the patients, right? Mm. Like I think, so my wife works in healthcare. She's a dietitian at a dialysis company. And the thing is, like, your talent in healthcare is so connected to the actual revenue and the outcomes for patients Mm. that the value that you put on that talent is right. Mm -hmm. The Mm -hmm. emphasis that you put on like getting the best talent in and sourcing the best talent, bringing them in, transacting, and making sure that they get in as fast as possible is the right focus because it is directly tied to patient outcomes, right? And so that's super- Not enough nurses. Correct. You know, not not ability to provide the patient level, you know, experience that you're looking for, impacts revenue. So you believe that the C-suite and the leaders get it. They get how important time Correct. actually is. Correct. Because yeah. it's, it's, like, it's not like software or code development or other things like that. Because the people that you're bringing in, the, health, like, the outcomes are actually delivered mm-hmm. by those people. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, right. Those health outcomes are delivered by the nurses. That makes sense. By the doctors. And so that's super important. And I think those leaders in those companies get it. Mm-hmm. I think what they what's really missing is like really understanding what is driving and what is what are the blockers to getting those people in as mm. fast as possible. So like there are traditional HR or TA metrics like time to fill, mm-hmm. right? But the challenge there is there are some things that go into that time to fill metric that a TA professional actually has very little control over. Yeah, sure. Right? Right. right. And so you actually have to break up that metric into its core components to really understand 
what is the blocker? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen some customers of ours when they start to break up those that time to fill metric, then start to implement hiring panels so that they know that it really is the nurses on the floor just don't have the time to go through things, and so that's slowing things down. And so they might take a nurse and you know dedicate them for you know for a couple of you know for a week to just work on focus pound focus yep, pound yep, it out yep, yep, yep. Go, go do that so that they can go through that process really quickly yeah. the other part is potentially what we're seeing in our data as well is that time to source mm-hmm. is actually really challenging where you know you might post a role on online and they're only these nurses are applying to only one role yep yeah and they're not going to share like the recruiters not sharing those roles with uh, those those candidates with other people and so you have a limited pool yep and that's where we've seen a lot of our customers utilize our candidate resurfacing product called fetch to really allow allow these recruiters not to start from zero yep and automatically resurfacing candidates and then basically reaching out to those nurses that only applied to one role to say like art would you be interested in this other role yep. and we actually see really good conversion hmm. and we said we have actually a good case study on our website with mercy on on that yeah as well. paul kinsey actually just had him on the show here yeah. a, a couple of weeks ago and he was talking a little bit about you know kind of his deployment and and some of the early you know you know kind of success he's had yeah. not only in getting the team adopted but then actually turning around, you know, hires out of it. So, you know, a lot, lot to unpack there. I guess, you know, the, a couple of things that we focus on, you know, at Rogue Hires, we talk a lot about with our community is that time to source is a significant, you know, kind of piece of that time to fill. That being said, it, you know, the, the executives, if you will, the C-suite, you know, that time to fill number is easy to understand. And they've been taught that, that hey, that's important. Somebody taught them that that was an important metric mm-hmm. to, to focus in on. I guess as we, you know, as we, we kind of go into the future and, you know, we are trying to, you know, kind of evangelize, you know, what are the blockers or what are the significant challenges? Is it in your mind, you know, simply breaking something like time to fill apart into its components and educating the, the executives on that? Or are there other ways or other, you know, ways that we could use data to help inform the executives about some of the challenges that we're having, you know, down in the trenches? Yeah, I I think it's it's sort of twofold. I think time to fill is always going to be important because Mm -hmm. actually time to fill helps them from a capacity model perspective and a workforce planning perspective, right? So they need to understand their overall time to fill because now they can understand, okay, what is my capacity in terms of the coverage that I have. So yep. it's still important as a metric for yeah. a planning perspective. Makes sense, yeah. But from a strategic perspective of actions that I need to take, yep. you need to break it up into those different groups in that terms of sense. how do I impact this metric? I need in order to impact this metric, I need to know what goes into this metric. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that's I think that's that's super important just in terms of helping drive action and drive change yep. to get that granularity. So the other thing that we talk a lot about and just and, and that and that makes sense to me. You know, I, I think time to fill, yes, will always be there. But, you know, we as leaders, you know, we, we need to leverage data in its in its right ways, if you will, to help folks understand where our or where our choke points are. One of the things that you had said and, and we talk a lot about as well is like, hey, you know, 
candidates are giving you one shot and that's it. You know, that's the consumer behavior that's coming forward at us. You know, hey, I'm, I'm used to only submitting one time. I'm used to an easy click, an easy apply process, and then I'm not coming back. The, the friction that we see is that generally the processes that we have in the talent acquisition ecosystem are basically built to reject everybody and have them fall out of that process. So they're, they're uniquely designed to hire one human, right? And then the way that we typically set our recruiters up is that they're focused on filling requisitions, not necessarily engaging the talent pool, right? And so that, that's just a fundamental kind of process, kind of tech design issue. And so yeah. I guess, you know, obviously we're sitting here at the Hired Scored booth. When, when you think about, you know, uses of, of AI and you think about, you know, maybe where we're headed to maybe help solve that problem, you know, what, what comes to mind as it relates to that? Yeah, so the AI is actually, it, it's really interesting because um, if you think about a regular recruiter pr work pro like process, if they start from zero and start from scratch every single time, that's really how the systems are built. Mm -hmm. And that's how the process is built. Like it's restarting every single time from zero. The, what we do with the AI, because we scan the database every single time, the, the, all of the past candidates and resurface those candidates to the open rec at point of post. Right. Mm, okay. And so from that perspective, you can always start, you never have to start from zero. So it's a little bit of a, you know, retraining people to think, think like that. But at the same time, because we're an AI and not a different system of record, we don't actually have to like re-architect and redesign the system itself. We're gotcha. just basically allowing people to interact with that data and with those candidates and resurfacing those candidates so that there's a lot less change management. And I think it's just a mentality perspective in terms of how you think about the process is we will jumpstart the process for you. I like see. we can help jumpstart the process. That's the power of AI is, you know, you're never going to look at four million resumes and keep all of those data points in your mind. But the AI can. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's really what the power of AI is there to do. And so you have to think about as a leader, okay, moving out from this mindset of this is how the human would have done it. And mm -hmm. let me just replicate it in in the process or in the automation or in the AI quote unquote. To think about like, oh, how would the AI actually do this? And what is the AI actually doing? And how can I leverage what the AI can do to supercharge my process? Gotcha. Right. So like, let me take a step back and maybe you can give us some, a little bit of education, right? Yeah. And so, you know, AI, and then you hear machine learning, and then, then you hear different types of AI, right? Like, you know, you, you hear about... Mm -hmm. Your, neur AI, your right? neural so, nets. And, yeah, and, and yeah. so like, so like w when we're in talent acquisition, right, and we're talking about this core piece of process, right, and, and I think that, you know, most forward-leaning talent acquisition leaders, once they see it in action, they, they get it, they understand the, the concept at, at a high level. But, but what type of AI are we actually talking about here? Like, what, what, 
what is it that should either, you know, make me excited or when I'm talking to a CHRO, what are the cautions associated with it? Because, you know, obviously, you know, we're looking at a floor here of hundreds of vendors and there must be at least half of them that have AI written somewhere yeah. on their on their board. And so, you know, I, I guess just can you unpack that a little bit and sure. maybe educate us uh, a little bit on when we're out shopping, whether or not it's hired, scored or pick another name. What, what is it that we're actually looking for here? Yeah. So the way that I explain it is like AI is a general term. And so it's a broad based umbrella term for a lot of different technologies. The main one that we use right now is, so within the broader term of AI, there is a subsection of AI, which is machine learning. And so that's basically a lot of what we do here and what you're going to see here is machine learning. And basically what that does is it's really taking in all of these large data sets, learning from that data set in terms of the outcome that you want to optimize for. And from that, you're building this sort of automation or prediction model in terms of trying to understand this outcome. And then as you bring new data in, it passes through this machine learning model, this model that is actually learned for this specific task, what it needs to do. And then it'll go about sending you uh, some type of output on that, right? So that's typically how machine learning works. Uh, typically, you will see some things that are sort of uh, supervised machine learning. So there's somebody there sort of feeding the system, helping to mod monitor the system, checking the system, right, as it's learning and tweaking. And then there's unsupervised learning, which is it's going to just have a, a recirculation and it's going to learn from itself and, and the outputs and mm -hmm. it's basically going to do that. So that's one type of machine learning. A subsection of machine learning and what a lot of these different LLMs and other things like that do it uses something called deep learning. Okay. And so these are these are you'll hear a term like neural nets or different things like that. And so a neural net is basically a statistical model that sort of mimics the way that your brain works in terms of how it's processing data. I see. Right? And so that's, that's how a lot of the more cutting edge technologies are using these neural nets or these large data sets or these large neural nets in order to, you know, predict what is going to happen based upon all of the data that they're in ingesting. So like, gotcha. that's when you think about like AI is this broad based term. There's these specific things called like machine learning models or deep learning models. Then there's also this, this branch of automation, like robotic process automation, which is also a component of AI, but it's, it, it doesn't necessarily need to use machine learning or deep, deep learning models to go about executing on the outcome that you want it to. Yeah, so like, so what? So like if I'm a talent acquisition leader and, you know, let's say my CHRO or my CFO heard some scary article about AI, like, you know, hey, AI is bad. Yeah. is the highest level, right? What, what type of AI, like what branch, if you will, based upon that model that you just put in front of us, what, what should we be looking for? Like, is there a specific flavor of, of AI? Is there a specific approach to it that, A, maybe mitigates the risk, right? And so I don't go through some process where you know i get flagged at the end of it say hey this particular flavor of ai is 
too risky for this organization. Yeah. Is that a thing or is that just, am I, am I making that up? I mean, I think it really depends on what you're trying to achieve and the use case that you're going to look at applying AI to and how much human out of the loop is in that process. Ah, okay. Right? Makes sense. So all the different flavors of AI, whether it's a deep learning model or a or a large language model or, you know, some other machine learning models. It's just math. Yeah. Right. And it's about how out of the loop is the human from that like decision at the end of the day. Yeah. And that's where you have to think about where the risk is, is if you're making a hiring decision with the human completely out of the loop, that could be a little risky. Yeah. But if you're making, if you're using AI to process like a, an expense report. Yeah. Not l- like less risky. Less risky. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. And so like you have to really think about what is the use case? How much work are you taking off a human mm-hmm. that's like unstructured or unstandardized? Because if you're taking work away from a human that is completely standardized, there's a complete standardized process to go about doing that, then maybe a complete automation of that is not that scary, Yeah. right? Maybe it's not the entire process, but one step of the process that gets automated, that's a little less scary as well, right? So like those are all of the things to, to really consider because AI is not bad or scary. You're interacting with AI every single yeah, day, right, every right. single moment, whether it's on your phone or within the apps that you use, like the recommendations that come to you via Netflix or Spotify. On like That's all AI. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're in, interacting with it every single moment of your life. Yep. How is, like, now you have... Now, when it gets applied to to HR or your function, like now you're scared. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, like, this is where you really have to think about what are you trying to achieve with yeah. the AI. So, I, I think, like, you know, at least you know, being a former head of talent acquisition, I think that the immediate kind of like reaction, if I'm opposed, to it, I'm not suggesting I'm opposed to it. I actually yeah. think it's the 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 right way, the right advancement for the the work. There's just entirely too much candidate flow up against very short-staffed operations, especially in healthcare, generally, right? That it just isn't, in the end, humanly possible without some type of automation, preferably automation that is helping us nudge towards better hires, right? In the end, which is the objective. But I I think that the the quick objection that comes flying out is like, well, it's going to create more bias. Or you know, the, the, the machine learning is going to inherently build more bias into my, in, into my process than I have already today just using humans, right? Yeah. So I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but I'm just kind of curious on your take yeah. on if I had to answer that question succinctly to a CHRO that says, hey, I don't want to look at that because more bias. You know, like what, like what is the the the, the response? Yeah. There? So the response to that really is around what is the algorithm predicting, and what data is it taking in? So hired score, we see ourselves really more as like a smart mirror in terms of what we're scoring 
like what we're scoring against or what we're fetching against. So our standard is the job description. And what we score against is that resume against the, the job description. And then we will rank and score against that. We are not looking at what you hired for this specific job description in the past and then modeling out the prediction of the role or the person that would match the one that you actually hired, right? That's where things get a little bit tricky because right. that's where the bias comes in because if you're using all of that past data and there's bias in that past data, your, mod the, your model is actually replicating those outcomes. And if those outcomes are biased, it's just going to replicate those yeah, outcomes. More and more biased. We yeah. don't do that because we're not modeling against the actual hire. We're actually modeling against how similar is, how, does this resume meet all of the basic or preferred job qualifications on the job description? And we're just mirroring that. And then we're able to actually understand your entire, everybody who comes in and whatever's in your ATS. And then we model against that and grade and score against that, right? Yeah. So that sort of mitigates a bit of that fear of that bias because, okay, maybe it's your job description is biased, mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily... These are the requirements. Yes, yeah, written are words, your, right? Yeah, like somebody sat down and we put it through some process where we wrote the job yeah. description and it's it's written words. It's right? written words and the content of the words are the content in terms of what you're asking for in terms of skills, capabilities, These, experiences, yeah, right. those things biased. I don't know. Maybe the words that you're using to, be, to right. write it. That's where a company like a Textio yeah. would, would exist to make sure that the the language in which you're describing them are sort of gender neutral or not biased in that way. Yeah. But that's just the wrapper on the job description. The contents of the job description is what we are looking at yeah. and what yeah. we're matching against. Where where do you think we are on the maturity curve, right? And so like all of what we're talking. To me, anyways, if I was a head of talent acquisition today, which, again, I'm not, but I used to be, it's, it's something I would be aggressively pursuing, at least from a strategy perspective. Are we, are we early on here? Are we, you know, mid-adopters? You know, where are we at on the curve of stability and maturity of, of this type of technology inside of our ecosystem? I mean... Hired Score has been doing this for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. I think, and people have been trying to utilize AI in some sense and recruit for, for a while. There's been scoring and matching and all this sure. different types of, types of things. I think it hasn't like really resonated yet because people didn't understand the power of AI until... ChatGPT came on the scene and yep. then they realized, oh wow, this is like this something is something I need to pay attention to. Yeah. Which that generative AI is a little bit different than like AI like prediction models and all of those types of things. But then people started to really think about, oh, AI is something that I really need to pay attention to. And then they started to get a little bit of FOMO. Yeah. Like, and then yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, I need this. I need this. I, and then that started to drive the interest there. Yeah. And so, you know, as a vendor, 
as a consumer of it, you just need to be very careful about and educated, which, you know, you're doing a good job of educating the marketplace about this is like really being smart about who you trust and, and, yeah. and, and how they go about uh, deploying their AI, but also building their yeah. AI as well. So I, I've been, you know, lucky enough, you know, over my career to be in a position to deploy some some tech, you know, some technology, whether it's ATS or whether it's a CRM, you know, point solutions along the way. And one of the challenges that 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 I've always had is user adoption. You know, user adoption of said new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think a lot of it is, you know. Sometimes, you know, smart process design, good training, also some patience, if you will. Do, do you believe, you know, this, you know, this brand, this type of AI will be a, a challenge from a user adoption perspective? Or do you see that this is relatively, because, you know, what we're talking about at some level is changing, you know, some of the recruiter workflows, right? I mean, we're, we're you know, and, and I've demoed your, your product before, and so I know enough to, to know that you're also, you know, taking over some of the recruiter's experience. Like, yeah. you know, I'm kind of pulling you out of Workday, or I'm pulling you out of ORC, and, and I'm putting you in my UX, yeah. right? And so then, you know, the, 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 the challenge always for the recruiter has been is, you know, hey, I'm navigating an ATS system here. I'm then navigating an HRIS system here. Now, Matt, you want me to use a CRM system. Oh, and then you want me to search candidates over here, right? And so, like, you know, from a, an adoption perspective, you know, A, you know, what's your sense on, you know, the user adoption side of the ecosystem? And, and, and by deploying this, do we get away from having the recruiters working in so many different systems? Or is it just another system for them? Yeah, so that's really the, the beauty of, of Hired Score is that, we're connected and integrated. Uh, our average client, we have five integrations, you know, and so we're pulling data from their CRM, from their ATS, from their HCM, from their VMS, from, you know, another platform that they might have, like a learning management system or something like that. And we're able to actually then, in, one, in sort of like one single pane of glass, bring all of those insights in around the talent that and, and the information that exists within that, within each one of those data silos together and merge it and present it to the, to the recruiter. And so we are able to sort of stop that swivel chair from system to system. Yep. And what we're starting to think about is, yes, we do have a UI, but in the future, we're really leaning on this thought or this idea about the the new UI is no UI. Hmm. And so sending that information in terms of what people need to do to the place that they need that they typically are in. Yeah. And so that's where you have a lot of collaboration platforms like a Microsoft Teams or a Slack, something like that, where people are naturally in on a regular basis. And then sending that information there mm-hmm. so that they can interact with that on that platform, as opposed to having to learn a new platform. Yeah. So that's I where I that. think like with AI and this idea of the new UI is no UI, you sort of reduce that change management yeah, aspect, right? Yeah. Because like if you just think about chat GPT, 
It went from zero users to a hundred million users, I believe, in two months. Yeah. Right. And it's not because it has some fancy UI because it doesn't. No. It's just a bar. Yeah, right? right. And that's really how people now are are have been programmed to think about interacting with AIs. Hmm. They want to interact with AIs like that. Yeah. As opposed to let me go to this other platform. Let me go, let Log me click this here. button here. Yeah, let me yeah. do this. You know, and that's really how we're thinking about it. And yeah. that's where I think things are going because Chat GPT has basically changed the way that people think about interacting with technology. Yeah. Right. It makes total sense. And you know, I have had luxury over the years to have some human centered design training and some experience. Yeah. And and you know, what you're saying is like, hey, truly designing you know, without restrictions, you know, a, a process or or tools or enablement, if you will that's truly designed for the human right? yeah. versus, hey, I'm going to build this fancy software over here and I'm not really going to think about how the human actually interfaces with this, which has been a challenge in recruitment. It creates, frankly, for recruiters, a ton of inefficiency. Like, yes. a ton of inefficiency, a lot of wasted time yeah. uh, inside of that ecosystem. So, hey, a couple quick questions here yeah. and um, maybe uh, round one uh, we can call it. And so I, I loved where you started this conversation with the, with the story about your wife and 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 healthcare and basically talent being tied to legitimate business outcomes like that that connection yes. that exists right and i thought that was actually a really astute and cool place to start the conversation so you know if i'm you know obviously new tech right new partnerships you guys have developers you have people that you got to pay you got to invest in your r&d etc and so stuff isn't cheap Right? Yeah. And so I've got to put a business case together to, to go get technology like this inside of my uh, ecosystem. Is the business case in your mind just a simple math problem uh, as it relates to, hey, Matt, you're sitting on a large database. Hey, Matt, there's unhired talent in there. Hey, Matt, we can speed up your cycle times. Uh, or is there something more succinct or you know, uh, from an evangelism, if I was sitting down with my CHRO tomorrow and I listen to this episode, is there some things that you would be educating sh her on, you know, uh, as it relates to, you know, where things are headed and then help translating that into an actionable business case? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things, you know, obviously the efficiencies gained and, you know, reduction in time to source or time to fill and all of those things and increased recruiter capacity, all of those very tactical, you know, benefits are important to understand. But I think the other ones that that we tend to forget about is, you know, around talent resiliency and the resiliency of your talent ecosystem and how important that is, you know, to your business and continued business hmm. operations. Well, now what do you mean by talent resiliency? Talk to me a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, so this is where, you know, I think we all understand that in the healthcare space, there is a real talent shortage, right? Sure. And so the question that every, I think, CHRO that we talk to is like, how resilient can my organization be when there are these shocks to the system? I see. Right? And how responsive can I be and how agile can I be? That's really the power of AI. That's really like the, the thing that 
I think every board member should be asking their CHRO is, you know, with COVID shutting down different things and like, were you able to respond quickly? How were mm. you able to do that? Like, I need to ensure that my business is as resilient as possible. And if my business is completely dependent upon people, which healthcare primarily is, right. how can I make sure that my talent ecosystem is as resilient and robust mm. as possible? And that's where potential internal mobility, all of these yep. other things, time to source, like that goes up to building my safety net of resilience yep. that I think is so important because we don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months sure. in terms of how the economy is going to go, the ups and downs of shocks of, you know, like geopolitical things. How do I make sure my business is the most resilient possible? Yeah, and that's that. where, you know, besides those time to fill metrics, those are met tactical metrics that go to paint a picture about the resiliency of my ecosystem, of my organization. That's really important, I think, that every CHRO should be thinking about. Talent resiliency really goes beyond traditional workforce planning Correct. at some level, right? Correct. You know, and so I love that. All right, last question here, my friend. Yeah. And I appreciate your time today here. Yeah, it's no been, worries. Uh, it's been a great conversation. So your doctoral studies focused on creativity and innovation across cultures. I found that super interesting. And so I guess I'm just kind of curious how some of these this studies informed what you do professionally day in and day out. Yeah, I think this is, I have one of the best jobs in the world because I took a long time to do my, do my dissertation. I really love the space of understanding creativity and within organizations, how people can be creative, how people can become, you know, in, intrinsically motivated because that's, you know, that's how you get the most innovation and the creativity. And I get to think about that every day and apply that in a way in terms of how do we build these products? How do we utilize AI to really help people find the time to be innovative? Mm. And one of the things that I tell customers is that we have to figure out a way to let the human do what the human is best at, which is creativity and innov innovation applied to their business problems. And we should let the AI do what the AI is best at, which is a lot of the very tactical, very sort of things that, you know, humans need to do right now, but don't necessarily have to do when you start to apply an AI, right? So like in a hired score case, you know, the whole process of looking at every single resume, you know, an AI can do that right. and then surface those insights to you so that you don't have to do that. You can be strategic in how you look through all of those things or look through all of those resumes. But that frees up your attention sure. and frees up your time to do other things, whether it's to become a real talent advisor and have conversations with your hiring manager about, do you really need four years in this role? Will three years work? Because I can show you that you get a lot more candidates when you'd go three years. Do you like these candidates? Like that relationship building is yep. something that an AI is going to, it's going to be a long time before that AI can do that. Yeah, right. 
and so that's, that's really what really, recruitment's about. That, it's about relationships, you know, relationships with your hiring managers, relationship with your candidates, and relationship with your community. Unfortunately, recruiters don't have uh, a lot of time in, in the current, you know, situation we find ourselves in to do that. Some yeah. of the best recruiters are able to find a way, find a will to manage themselves into that. But but that unlock, if you will, of human potential and human creativity exactly. inside of your organization could be very powerful for yeah. many organizations. Yeah, and that's all about attention, yeah. right? Hmm. And that's that's one what like my research advisor really talks about or talked about was you have a finite amount of attention during the day. Hmm. So just think about it as like a pie over your head. How much attention are you spending on? tasks mm -hmm. how much attention are you spending on building relationships mm -hmm. how many how much attention are you spending on you know politics and all this other like okay what's the ai good at mm -hmm. let's do let's free up that attention with the ai now you have some open space what do you want to spend it on yeah right, yeah, right. whether it's spending more time with your family sure. being focused on you know your kids or being focused on building relationships with your colleagues, other things like that. That's really what, right. you know, that's why I really believe that AI is not scary. Yep. It's actually going to be a net benefit to, to humans. And we just need to know how best to deploy it and how best to utilize it as individuals for our own gain. Yeah, I love that. Marnus, I think that's a great place to stop today. And I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, I learned so much by sitting here for, with you for 38 minutes. And so on behalf of the community, we appreciate it. Cool. And uh, we hope to see you around. All right. Thanks, Thanks so much. Us. This is so fun. All right. All right. We want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs. Feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now. <laughs>